Welcome to the Wesleyan Podcast, bringing you news and financial tips for doctors, dentists, teachers and lawyers. Hello, I'm Neil Whelan, PR Manager here at Wesleyan. Previously on the Wesleyan Podcast, we were talking about the recent GP contract changes and locum cover. This is part two of that conversation. The first voice you'll hear is Linton Penman, the Product Manager for our Group Locum Insurance, and with him is Graham Layfield, our National Account Manager for Group Locum. I've heard on the grapevine that there are some GPs who are a little bit sceptical about this. So what would happen if the contract were to change again in the near future? Or perhaps our understanding of how it would work is not quite uh, as it turns out to be. Okay. Um, The announcement uh, came pretty much out of the blue for practices and also for ourselves. Um, And... For many customers, it's been something that they're trying to get uh, used to and understanding how it affects them and impacts them. At the time of recording, we've only this week had confirmation that the the changes that were announced for England back in February will be mirrored in Scotland and Wales. So we've spent a couple of months, I say, with practice in England, uh, reassessing and helping them customers understand those needs. We'll do the same um, through uh, with the practices in Scotland and Wales. Um, we can't actually speculate what might happen in future but one thing that we'd like to stress and I think it's really important to, to stress is that we're fortunate uh, because of the specialism of the, the job role we have to have plenty of contacts within both the NHS and uh, the BMA and one thing that they've stressed to us is that these changes are here for the foreseeable future these are going to be here for years to come mm-hmm. and have stressed that practices can rely on them but when you make a change like this, there is some really, really understandable reluctance by individual doctors or by practices as a whole to dive in and make wholesale changes without understanding what that, that might mean. Um, that's particularly true, for example, when you're thinking that, well, actually, locum costs might go up again in future or the contract might be varied in future. This support might be withdrawn in future. Now, Obviously, the BMA and NHS have have stressed that it won't be withdrawn. Um, But we're really, really keen for our our members to be able to benefit both from the support that's been introduced, but to not lose the longer-term security that they value so much. So the approach that we've taken is to allow practices to reduce the cover for their doctors, to tailor it around uh, receipt of the NHS support, but also provide them with a guarantee that for at least two years we will allow them to reinstate the cover back up to the levels they had on the same basis. That gives them that double-edged advantage of being able to take advantage of the reduction in costs um, by having reduced liabilities, but still with the peace of mind of knowing that they can reinstate the cover that they had. Okay, that that sounds really helpful, really practical. That's good to hear. Um, But what are the other key priorities that practices should take into account? You alluded to one or two of these earlier on. Could you expand on those a little? Yeah, well, we've said the the new support is is fantastic for the surgeries in respect of GP absence. But, of course, GPs are not the only role within a practice, and the NHS supports under the GP contract doesn't provide um, any assistance for any of the other key roles in a surgery. And by key roles, I'm, I'm talking about those roles, positions such as practice managers, nurse practitioners, the clinical pharmacist role that's been introduced in the last year or so, 
practice nurses themselves, those are the type of role that exist in most, if not all, of surgeries. Those are essential members of surgery teams. The absence or the long-term incapacity of those people can have a huge impact on a surgery, both in practical terms of getting workloads done, but also in financial terms. Um, in some cases, as great as the, uh, the cost of a GP being absent for up to 12 months. Some surgeries over the last few years have been looking to take steps to address and protect against uh, the financial risk attached to those key roles. But for many practices, the priority has been looking to protect the GP absence. That's always been the number one um, in terms of risk for a practice. That might have actually changed a little bit with the recent changes because if we've reduced the immediate risk to a practice by up to 75%, as I mentioned earlier, it could well be that the greatest risk financially to any GP surgery is now the key staff um, suffering long-term incapacity. The loss of a practice manager for up to a year it can be devastating in a, in a surgery, particularly a small surgery. Nurse practitioners being out, those roles still have to be carried out. Um, practice nurses, all of that work still has to be carried out has a financial cost when those people are absent. So actually what we've, uh, what we've seen is, what we're seeing actually over the last couple of months is a number of uh, practices redirecting some of the valuable resources that they were previously using just to protect the absence of a GP and actually making sure that they've got the remaining liabilities of the GP covered but actually considering and putting in place uh, protection for those other key roles. You mentioned the earlier conversation, and you, you're right. It was, goes back to the, the, the second stated aim of the, the BMA and the NHS when they introduced the, uh, the contract changes, and that was to improve the position for salaried GPs and other key staff where they suffer um, absence through ill health. So, for example improving the sick pay arrangements for a salaried doctor. We've seen um, as a necessary result of resources getting tighter over the last few years, we've seen a reduction in sick pay arrangements for, um, for salaried doctors and other staff in GP practices, in, uh, in some practices. One of the intended consequences of reducing the, the liabilities where the GPs are absent is to enable those practices to redirect the, the money that they're spending, the resources that they're spending protecting that, to better um, support their key staff and salaried doctors in particular. Um, and that might well be by improving the sick pay arrangements for those staff. It could well be by putting um, staff benefits in. We know that recruitment and retention of key staff can be very, very difficult um, and very challenging for practices. Um, and one of the consequences of reducing staff benefits is that actually compounds the problem of recruitment and retention. So here's an opportunity. This is what the BMA and NHS are hoping, is that by redirecting uh, resources, by improving um, the benefits for salaried doctors and other key staff, that'll actually help practices with their recruitment and retention of staff. And it's things like, as I mentioned before, um, 
improving the sick pay arrangements. That might be through contract. It could well be by introducing things like um, employee income protection and changing how the resources that you were previously using to protect GP absence and improving the the position for those key staff as well. Okay, thank you, Graham. That that sounds really interesting. Um, <clears throat> sounds like good news all round, but yep. plenty of issues to to be thinking about there. So, if I could just summarise, um, the new contract uh, for GPs um, aims to reduce the costs and provide better support for salaried GPs. Um, we're saying that we think. GP practices should review all of their arrangements. Um, We'll do what we can to tailor the benefits around those changes um, and provide some flexibility in the future as well should things change. Um, The new support doesn't really exist with key staff absence and that risk still remains and it's something that surgeries should give some really serious consideration to. Um, But it gives us potential for many surgeries to improve their staff benefits for key staff to help with recruitment and retention of those very important members of the team. Yeah, very much. So there you go. That's the end of our podcast on GPs and locum insurance. If you'd like to find out more about this or any of our products or services, visit the website at wesleyan.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at Wesleyan. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. Thank you. (laughs) 